Hello, my name is Rick Pearson. Welcome to Prophecy USA, a program specifically designed to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. Have you ever wondered, are we in the last days? Have you ever wondered, is America even mentioned in the Bible? After all, if we are in the last days, like many prophecy teachers believe, why wouldn't the most powerful, wealthy nation be mentioned? We'll be addressing that issue and a whole lot more today on Prophecy USA. So stay tuned, we'll be right back. discussing a very crucial issue today that traditional prophecy teaching has questioned for years. Is America in the Bible? Last week we learned a providential nation means a nation or a person that is raised up by divine utterance or mandate. In other words, the Word of God speaks about a providential nation before it even exists. You might remember that Daniel the prophet said that it is God who removes kings and raises up others. We discovered this truth last week and established eight specific nations throughout history that the Bible spoke about before they even existed. The first was established in Genesis 15:13, when God told Abraham that his descendants would go into a foreign land and suffer slavery for 400 years. That first providential nation in Scripture was Egypt in 1500 B.C. The second nation was in Syria in 722 B.C. And through the help of Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a golden image, Daniel prophesied about Babylon in 630 B.C., Medo-Persia 550 B.C., Greece in 334 B.C., and finally the Roman Empire. However, there are two more kingdoms left to appear on planet Earth before Jesus Christ returns. And it will amaze you when we begin to describe the seventh nation. Listen to this. Throughout the ages, Bible prophecy has foretold of major empires who would rise and fall. The first six providential nations historically recorded in scripture have been Egypt in 1500 BC, Assyria around 722 BC, Babylon in 605 BC represented by the golden head of the statue in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, which was interpreted by the prophet Daniel. Medo-Persia, depicted by the statue's silver chest, the bronze thighs which was Greece in 331 BC, and the iron legs representing the Roman Empire in 168 BC. Since these nations have already come and gone according to the book of Revelation, there are only two more providential nations yet to rise. They are depicted in Revelation 17 as a woman sitting on the beast with seven heads and ten horns. The seven heads represent seven mountains or land masses on which the beast sits, but also represents the seven kings 
that we have just mentioned and have risen and fallen throughout history. According to scripture, the water which the beast rises up from represents multitudes, nations, and peoples. The people come from what the Bible describes as the sea of humanity, and the seven heads represent the land masses on which they dwell. The ten horns represent ten kings who will join the beast and together they will form the eighth or last kingdom to rule over the earth before Christ returns. However, sitting on the beast is a woman, as the Greek word kathamia states, will police or rule over the beast before he comes into power. She is therefore the seventh nation out of the eight prophesied. The name of this woman is called Babylon the Great. After the flood, the descendants of Ham moved to the area of the Euphrates River in present-day Iraq. It was here they formed the city-nation called Babylon. It was also here that the pagan Babylonian religions were formed that still impact our societies today. And it was here also where the Lord confounded the speech of the Babylonians as they built the Tower of Babel towards the heavens, trying to establish themselves as God. In 620 BC, Babylon was rebuilt by King Nebuchadnezzar. He provided a mirror image of the power and wealth that the final Babylonian woman would possess. It was here in historical Babylon where the infamous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took place. Historical Babylon fell in 539 BC. But according to scripture, her religious practices will test the faith of believers once again in the latter-day Babylon the Great. And miraculously, it is prophesied that the fourth man will once again deliver his people. The vast majority of people within Babylon do not believe scripture. Only those who have ears to hear will be able to recognize this woman that the Bible describes as Mystery Babylon. So, is America in the Bible? Some say she's not. Now, the actual words America, USA, or Canada are certainly not found in Scripture. But, of course, neither are the words Trinity or Bible, for that matter. We know that the New World Order is not here yet. We also know that the United Nations Agenda 2030 wants a New World Order by the year 2030. We already know that the Bible tells us that the coming New World Order is the eighth and final kingdom to rule on earth before the second coming of Christ. So before we have an eighth nation, does it not make sense we would know who the seventh nation is? And if that nation, the seventh nation, exists today, she would definitely be a providential nation divinely structured to meet every description of the woman who is called mystery, Babylon the Great. Now, in understanding prophetic scripture, we have to use two theological tools. One tool is called exegesis. Exegesis attempts to understand what was in the mind of the author at the time of his writing, then and there. The other tool that we'll use is a word called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a scriptural tool trying to attempt or interpret what was said then and there and what it means to us in the here and now. You may recall that Daniel was told to shut the books of his writing because it was sealed until the time of the end. By this understanding, we can see that the seventh nation was termed a mystery, as in mystery Babylon the Great, 
because at the time of John's prophecy, in approximately 90 AD, the future was a mystery. In fact, people did not even know that the world was round. Most could not even read. Christopher Columbus and the nation of Spain did not even exist. They did not know it would take 2,000 years before a nation would be raised up to fulfill every prophecy that they spoke about. But they did know one thing, that God had spoken it, and providentially God would someday make his word come to pass. The first sign that America is in the Bible is the mandate that she must be a providential nation. The very first president of the United States, George Washington, commander-in-chief of the American Revolution and signer of the U.S. Constitution said this, It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore His protection and favor. The third president, Thomas Jefferson, in 1800, was a signer and principal author of the Declaration of Independence. He said this, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with His wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that His justice cannot sleep forever. The sixth president, John Quincy, in 1826, was a statesman and diplomat. And he said, Is it not that the Declaration of Independence first organized the social compact of the foundation of the Redeemer's mission upon the earth? That it laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. James Wilson, the original signer of the Declaration of Independence and first justice of the Supreme Court said, human law must rest its authority upon the authority of the law which is divine. Far from being rivals or enemies, religion and law are twin sisters, friends and mutual assistants. Indeed, these are two sciences run into each other. So clear is the biblical foundation of the United States of America's laws that at the highest peak in the Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C., is the statue of Moses holding the Ten Commandments. The United States of America was firmly based upon the providential inspiration of God's Word. But there is much more to this great nation that we will soon discover after this brief word. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, for He raises up kingdoms and He deposes kingdoms. But what about America? The most prolific nation in the history of mankind, the most productive nation to ever exist, the most powerful military that has ever been created, with the most advanced technology known to man. Circling the globe, monitoring the airwaves, dominating the internet, not since man's first breath has any nation achieved such greatness. But is this Lady of Kingdoms in the Bible? have past generations foretold of her existence. Prophecy USA is proud to present their latest study guide providing over 50 biblical references describing the past, the present, and the future of this great nation. 
joining the dots that unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. To order your copy of the Prophecy USA Study Guide, call 1-888-306-1759 or go to prophecyusa.org. Call today. Welcome back to Prophecy USA. In our last segment, we learned how the founding fathers of the United States leaned heavily upon Scripture in forming this new nation that they called the United States of America. It's abundantly clear that the U.S. was established providentially on the Judeo-Christian faith. But unfortunately, what many don't realize today are the many benefits that came from those faith-based foundations. Genesis tells us that Abraham was a man who found favor with God. And God told Abraham that because of his righteousness, he would birth out of Abraham a great nation, a chosen people who would establish God's moral laws upon the earth. Those who blessed Abraham would be blessed by God, and those who cursed Abraham would be cursed by God. The children of Israel, known as the 12 tribes of Israel, came from the loins of Abraham. But it was not until Moses' ministry, some 450 years later, approximately, that God revealed a clear understanding of what His covenant with Abraham could do for His offspring. Now, the definition of covenant means a mutual agreement between two individuals who agree to meet, to meet each other's obligations so both can receive equal benefits. Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. A covenant made with God always invokes benefits of His divine provision, His divine guidance, and His divine protection. Whether the Founding Fathers of America knew it or not, they in fact were providentially cutting a covenant with God when they founded the U.S. upon biblical principles. And at the same time, because of their faith, they invoke God's benefits of divine provision, divine guidance, and divine protection. Deuteronomy 28, Moses listed the blessings that would be invoked upon Israel if she followed God's covenant. However, the Bible does not apply its laws and tenets just to Israel. Israel was created to be an example to other nations. But those blessings that were promised to Israel apply to anyone and any people who are willing to follow its tenets. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, Moses penned the following. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall you be. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated. They shall come against you one way, and they shall flee before you seven ways. 
The Lord will command the blessing upon you in barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. As he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today. Wow. Have you ever wondered why we in North America are so blessed? Have you ever considered the fact that America's laws, schools, governments, and foundations were all written covenants? making declarations of faith to God. And those declarations invoke divine benefits of prosperity. Perhaps you may think our prosperity is based on capitalism. And if so, you are correct. But did you know that capitalism is based on biblical principles? You know, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if a man will not work, then he shall not eat. 3 John 1, 2 says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Luke 6, 38 says, Give first, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. God places seed in the hand of the sower, and he multiplies the seed sown and increases the fruits of your righteousness. You see, the nearest helping hand of God is usually found at the end of your wrist. I heard the story once of a man who in his later years of retirement bought himself a brand new sports car. Christian neighbor came over and looked at that car and sarcastically said, I wonder how many families you could have fed with what you paid for that car. That man pondered the question and said, well, I know the engineers who designed the car got paid, and I know that over 250 men on the assembly line got paid who put the car together. Now, I know the dealer got paid because I personally handed him the check. You know, come to think of it, I have no idea how many families I fed when I bought that car. But every person who got paid worked hard to give me exactly what I wanted. And they deserve every penny they got because I love my sports car. The divine principles written into America's economic policies and their de declaration that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, has allowed America to fulfill her providential fulfillment in Scripture. She truly has become a golden cup in the hand of the Lord. But what has this got to do with America's role in Bible prophecy? Stay tuned and we'll answer that question after this brief message. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, for he raises up kingdoms and he deposes kingdoms. But what about America? The most prolific nation in the history of mankind, the most productive nation to ever exist, the most powerful military that has ever been created with the most advanced technology known to man. Circling the globe, monitoring the airwaves, dominating the internet, not since man's first breath has any nation achieved such greatness. But is this lady of kingdoms in the Bible? Have past generations foretold of her existence? Prophecy USA is proud to present their latest study guide providing over 50 biblical references describing the past, the present, and the future of this great nation. Joining the dots that unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. To order your copy of the Prophecy USA study guide, call 1-888-306-1759 or go to prophecyusa.org. Call today. Welcome back. So far today we learned of how the founding fathers of the United States of America mirrored the same divine principles into her foundation as Moses laid out for the nation of Israel. We also learned that the same benefits that God promised Israel are available to any nation or person who's willing to follow those biblical principles. Those benefits of blessing come from being in covenant with God and they invoke His provision, His guidance, and His protection. But how does this fit into America's role in Bible prophecy? It fits into prophecy because when the angel spoke to John of Babylon the Great in the then and there, in 90 AD, it was a mystery to John. No nation like that existed at the time of John's writing. However, just as Daniel prophesied that his words would be sealed until the time of the end, so John's description of Babylon the Great would be sealed then, but easily identified 2,000 years later for us in the here and now. Remember exegesis, what was in the mind of the author then and there? And what is the word saying to us today in the here and now? John in 90 AD, Jeremiah in 620 BC, and Isaiah in 750 BC gave us over 40 descriptions of this lady of kingdoms, Babylon the Great. As far back, in fact, as 2750 years ago. So let's recap some of these descriptions before we go any farther. Babylon the Great is a woman and she must appear before the New World Order arrives. The New World Order is not here, but America is. Revelation 17, 12 says the woman sits on the beast and the ten horns who have not yet received authority. Number two, she's still a mystery. Revelation 17, 9 has confirmed that the beast is called the Eighth Kingdom. And we've easily established who the first six kingdoms were because they have come and gone at their appointed time. However, in the mind of some, they say old Babylon will be erected in Iraq. Other teachers believe it's Rome because Rome is a city of seven hills, mind you, not mountains. And others speculate that Babylon, the city, is yet to be built. However, when Jesus Christ asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some said Elijah and others said, you're a great prophet. But Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, 
flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church. Now Jesus was not talking about Peter the rock. He was talking about divine revelation knowledge when God speaks directly to an individual. That revelation knowledge has progressed throughout the centuries and knowledge has increased. And remember, Jesus was rejected by the most studied theologians of their time. They were scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, and they were well-meaning people who studied Scripture diligently. But they totally missed the revelation knowledge of who Jesus was. They quoted the prophets, but they missed the greatest prophet in all the Bible standing right in front of them. They actually studied the book and then rejected the author. Today, Jesus will speak directly to anyone who has ears to hear his still small voice. He's our Savior, but he's also your personal high priest and prophet. Nobody can stand between you and God, so listen in your heart to see what the Holy Spirit says to you as you listen to our program. Remember, secret things belong to God, but the things he reveals unto us belong to us and to our children. Proverbs 25 says it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search it out. And this is our mission at Prophecy USA. We're going to help you search out this mystery. Now the third description of Babylon the Great, she is a providential nation. The seventh kingdom must be a providential nation. And history proves that the founding fathers of the United States invoked God's providential influence firmly into their constitution. Even the U.S. currency states, in God we trust. Number four, she must be symbolized as a woman. Six out of the eight providential nations given to John and Daniel were symbolized by animals. However, Babylon the Great is symbolized by a woman. The United States globally is symbolized by the Statue of Liberty. Number five, she must be a major influence around the world. The woman sits on the seven-headed beast before he is released. The seven heads represent seven mountains that sit upon the waters. The waters represent nations, tongues, and peoples. The 151-foot Statue of Liberty sits upon the waters of Ellis Island with seven spikes on her head. The designer of the Statue of Liberty, Frederick Bartoli, designed the spikes to represent the seven continents or land masses to which the woman illuminates her voice of liberty, calling out to nations, tongues, and peoples of the world. So, so far, we now have five out of 50 descriptions pointing to the United States. That is 10% of the total descriptions. But what about America's covenant with God and the blessings they have invoked upon the land? The woman upon the beast is draped in riches, rubies, and decadent clothing. All of these images point to a nation that is abundant in riches. Revelation 18.7 says she lives deliciously and says in her heart, I sit a queen, I will see no sorrow. Remember something very important. In the weeks and months to come, as we unveil the mystery to you, and people laugh, mock, scoff at the concept of America being in the Bible, 
don't be surprised. They're fulfilling the very prophecy that they themselves are mocking. And that's description number six. The majority of people in Babylon refuse to believe the prophetic word concerning Babylon's description. They refuse to join the dots. We're out of time. We want to thank you for joining us on Prophecy USA. My name is Rick Pearson, reminding you that Jesus Christ is alive and he's coming back much sooner than you may think. Shalom. We'll see you next week.